0: I may proclaim to you the word of our God as we read that in Psalm 103. We'll pay particular attention to verse 1 of this psalm. And if you recognize some of the elements in the sermon, that's good. Because that means that you have been reading your clarion, where an article on this psalm can be found. And if you don't, let this be the impetus to take up and read. So let's read Psalm 103 verse 1 again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. After the sermon, we will sing Psalm 103, the stanzas 7, 8, and 9. Theme for the sermon is, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship his holy name. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the first questions people will ask you when they first meet you is how are you doing? Maybe that's how you greeted each other this morning. It's good to see you. How are you doing? But are our answers to that question always completely honest? We will respond to such questions by saying, I'm doing fine, thanks, or Wonderful. Or if we are inclined to be more negative, we will say, Oh, not too bad. Or, Same old, same old. Sometimes we answer the question rather carelessly because we wonder if the person asking really wants to know how we are doing or if it's just a polite way of striking up conversation. Sometimes as a friend to a friend, we will need to dig deeper and challenge the answers we are given. Are you really as fine and wonderful as you are saying you are? Tell me how the person behind the smile and behind the mask is doing. Our journey through life It's filled with many emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual challenges that affect how we are doing. Not only do we experience high points, but we also know of the valley of tears and sorrow. There are no mountains without valleys, no highs without lows. The lows often leave an indelible mark on our lives, making it difficult for us to see anything positive. It affects our ability to function or to see beyond the troubles of this present moment. And when Christian experience takes you down into a dark valley for a prolonged period of time, you may think that there is very little reason to smile. Since everything feels bad, you think everything is bad, and you lose sight of reality. We also know from the testimony of Scripture that God often brings us into valleys to correct our vision. The low ebbs of life are times in which the Lord brings us to a closer walk with Him, to see our utter wretchedness but also to focus on the great faithfulness and mercy of our God. Children of God are not left to mope in their misery or to despair or to lose hope because they are to look beyond what is happening in their lives to the great faithfulness of God. They are to look at their lives... And all that is happening in the world around them, knowing that God does not go on vacation or desert us. His mercies are new every morning. And that is why no matter where we are in life, we have reason to bless his holy name. To bless the Lord. To praise and worship him. And is that not the main theme and message of Psalm 103? Most likely, Psalm 103 was written by David late in his life, at a time when he was able to look back at the mercy and the grace of the Lord. And as he reflects on how the Lord has carried him through the moments, the days, the weeks, and the years of his life, through all the ups and the downs, he is led to give praise to the lord for his mercy and compassion and he encourages everyone else to do the same now the words of the psalm are very familiar to us because we hear a good section of them quoted in the doxology that follows the celebration of the lord's supper psalm 103 finds its rightful place within the liturgy of the sacrament For we have been given in the Lord's Supper strength in our faith precisely in all the ups and downs of life and in the daily battle against sin. The Lord reminds us with every celebration of the Lord's Supper that even though we may feel down and out, the Lord Jesus has given us reason to smile and to rejoice in him. We often sing from this psalm at the baptism of our children, and that's because this psalm also reminds us of God's faithfulness that carries through the generations. The address at a funeral and the gravestones of our loved ones who have died in the Lord will often refer to the words of Psalm 103, because this song contrasts How fleeting our life is with the everlasting faithfulness and love of our God. The psalm begins in a very remarkable manner. By the grace of God, our eyes are open to the revelation of God's glory. We see it in past benefits and wonders. We experience it in present mercies and compassion. We are assured of it in future promises. But there's always a sense of shortfall, isn't there? Our awareness of what the Lord has done is not always as sharp as it ought to be. And that's one of the reasons why we get down. And why, we, why things can look so dark for us, isn't it? And is that not exactly why David, if you will, talks to himself and wants everyone else to do the same? It is though, as though David takes himself in hand for a time of healthy self-talk. He may not let negative circumstances dictate how he feels, thinks, or moves into the future. Bless the Lord, O my soul, And all that is within me, bless his holy name. In other words, come on, O my soul. Don't be lethargic in your response. Look at what God has done. Look at what he is like. Not only in your own life, but in the life of all God's people. In what God is doing in this world. And we who take this psalm on our lips today are led to a deeper response of worship, of lauding and speaking well of the Lord, because we have seen so much more of God's love, mercy, and compassion. We know all that he has done in Christ. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, bless his holy name. I am to praise the Lord. With all that is within me, with every fiber of my being, not just half-heartedly, not just with half my energy, or half my mind, but with all that is within me. And we need that reminder, don't we? Because it is so easy for us to worship the Lord out of habit, with our minds elsewhere. Other things are distracting us from truly blessing His holy name with all that is within us. And consequently, our praise falls flat and lacks zeal and fervor. It does not come forth from all that is within me. And after calling us to bless the Lord with all that is within us in the opening verse... The psalm goes on to give us a number of reasons why we are to bless the name of the Lord. And of course, we understand that there are many different reasons why we should bless the Lord. We have more than 10,000 reasons to sing. But the psalm divides the reasons for praise into two main categories, God's deeds and his person. The first deed of the Lord that is mentioned is his forgiveness, and rightly so. Forgiveness of sins is the greatest benefit any of us can ever receive from the hand of the Lord. It is the first we need to have. The barrier of sin must be removed before the blessings of God can come to us. Once sin is cleared out of the way, the road to further blessings is open. David is sure the Lord will not always accuse, harbor, or nurse his anger forever. Yes, we have disobeyed him. We have sinned against his holy name. We know what God is like. And yet we have chosen to act otherwise. But the good news is that the accusation will not stand forever. Our acts of disobedience correctly bring on God's righteous anger. But the psalmist speaks of a time when the charges will be dropped. God will not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Sometimes when we go through a rough stretch in life, we will say with a sigh, why do I have to experience so much discomfort and pain and trouble? And others don't. It doesn't seem fair. I think I've been cheated. We want the Lord to treat us with fairness. But do you understand how dangerous such a request really is? Think about it. If the Lord would deal with me according to what I deserve, then I should expect nothing but judgment. Nevertheless, God does not treat me as my sins deserve. Instead, he treats me with grace, with undeserved favor. The psalmist teaches us to say, you're rich in love. And you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Yes, rich in love. He removes our transgression from us as far as the east is from the west. And as far as the heavens are above the earth. Well, do you know how high the heavens are above the earth? Boys and girls, have you tried that as a project? Measuring the distance between the east and the west? You can try that as a scientific experiment or as a science fair project. But you will soon find out that you cannot measure the distance. But that's what God does with your and my sins. That's how far he removes them from us. Well, we tend to hold the sins of others close enough that we can beat them over the head. We can beat them over the head with them whenever necessary. But God removes them as far as the east is from the west. We don't forgive in the same way that he forgives. But the Lord, he removes them. And that is why he does not deal with us according to our sins. And that is why we can come to church and we can see this as a haven, a place of refuge a place of love and mercy and grace. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry that a lightning bolt will hit us and kill us because God is angry with us. And that is why it is so good for all of us, including our children, to be here. Through the ministry of reconciliation, we receive the assurance that our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And how does the Lord remove our sins from us? Through the only possible way, the work of Jesus Christ. For David, the bulls and goats offered up in sacrifice pointed to the work of the Messiah who was coming. And for us, Preaching and sacrament remind us of how the Lord Jesus provides us with the complete forgiveness of all our sins. The crowning glory of God's mercy to us is the coming of Christ to forgive us of our sins. Jesus comes for one purpose, to die for our sins and to supply us with life. And that's the manner in which the Lord removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. So how much will this now mean to me during the course of the week? How much will this gospel mean to me if the Lord kicks away all the props in my life, the things I depend on? If the Lord does not heal me of my diseases, but leaves me with a sickness that cripples my ability and takes away my energy, will I still praise the Lord and bless His holy name? If God takes away my health and my money so that I am left with nothing, will I still bless His holy name? If the Lord takes away my spouse my children, or my dear friends? Will I still bless his name? If he takes everything away from us, but provides us with the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ, will I then still praise the Lord? The first and the central thing the Lord provides is the forgiveness of sins. And even if I should lose everything, having the forgiveness of my sins, I still have reason to praise Him and to bless Him with my whole being. Having the forgiveness of sins. I need to talk my way through situations because God's mercy is new every day. His faithfulness will take me through the day so that I can say, the sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Having our sins removed from us, as far as the east is from the west, that stands at the heart of everything we receive from the hand of the Lord. All the other benefits that are mentioned, reasons for praise, in this psalm they flow forth from the forgiveness of our sins. The Lord rules every area of our life. He heals us of all our infirmities. But what does healing mean without having your sins taken away from you? Now we have to understand that this psalm is not saying that those who believe will never get sick, never feel pain, but will always be healed of their sicknesses. Rather, the Lord... Who safes created our body, gives us the knowledge and the science of the human body, gives us the doctors, the nurses, the hospitals, the clinics, and the laboratories that bring healing to our bodies and minds. The doctor fills out a prescription, and the pharmacist gives us the medication we need, and the surgeons, to the best of their ability, They correct, fix, and remove what is potentially harmful to our bodies. There are people beyond the medical profession that try to help us stay healthy. But we need to be thanking the Lord, the God who saves, the God who forgives, who redeems our life from eternal destruction. And being redeemed from destruction is an expression depicting how in life we often find ourselves in deep, narrow holes. And we have no way of getting ourselves out. Someone else has to come along and rescue us. And that is because although we are able to get ourselves into the peril of sin, we cannot free ourselves from its addictive power. And that is why it is so comforting to know that in his love and in his compassion, the Lord also works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Put yourself in the position of one who is oppressed, marginalized, victimized, or treated unfairly and unkindly by others. If you have a sense that the Lord has redeemed you from oppression, the Lord's justice and righteousness will be considered to be most welcome. And we do not have to fear the justice of God if we are living in the way of the Lord. The Lord feels for his people, knowing our frailty. When we contemplate all that the Lord has given to us through his Son, Jesus Christ, we are awed and impressed. Lord satisfies our desires with good things, things that will carry us through this life into eternity. The Lord speaks to the oppressed and to the depressed, and he puts on display his nature and character. His deeds tell us that he is merciful, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy and love. He crowns our lives with His compassion and love. And when we contemplate the deeds of the Lord, we're to step back and use these very deeds to understand more fully the nature and the character of our God. Brothers and sisters, have you ever paused? Stop to think about how impressive God's love really is. Just as we cannot measure the extent of God's forgiveness, the depth of his commitment, his love to us, is beyond our comprehension. You cannot measure it with a human standard. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. The mercy of the Lord is completely awesome and amazing. God's eternity assures us that his mercy is never ending. It is from everlasting to everlasting. He takes pity on us and he redeems our life from destruction, from the most difficult circumstances. You see, God's redeeming love, forgiveness, and grace are not short-term benefits, but carry us through each day. When going through a rough stretch, we may look for the support of family, friends, but someday all these people will no longer be with us The people we love and depend on, they're like the flowers of the field. They look beautiful for a short while, but they die. But God's compassion, care, forgiveness, and grace are so different. They will be with you to your dying day and beyond. And on that day, when my strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing. It will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. And how do you know this to be true? That's because God It's from everlasting to everlasting. Verse 17 gives us the happy news that the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting because the Lord Himself is eternal. He will never perish. His forgiveness, renewal, mercy, and love are not short-term benefits. But they carry us through the troubles, the joys, the events of every day. And the Lord is not secretive. About his saving ways is he? He made known his ways to Moses. His deeds to the people of Israel. You know how some religions portray God as hidden and unknowable. But the Lord is pleased to make himself known to us. He revealed his ways to Moses. And to the people of Israel, they came to know him as gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And in the ministry of Christ, he made known the supremacy of his love, the depths of his mercy, the breadth of his grace. We may have people around us who are very dear to us, And we may rely quite heavily on our family and friends. But someday our parents and grandparents and friends are going to die. And we will be attending their funerals. We are, as the psalm puts it, as the flowers of the field. But the Lord is faithful. And he's going to be that way today and he's going to be that way tomorrow and the next day too he will be that way for you five years from now 20 years for as long as you live because he is from everlasting so what should be our response to the enumeration of all god's glorious deeds Well, let us be impressed with his greatness and let that be expressed in obedience. Meditate on the character and deeds of the Lord and not just for a moment, not superficially, but let that deeply impress you and be on your heart and on your mind. Let it saturate your whole being having a sense how great God is and how wonderful his deeds are. Say good things about the Lord in all circumstances and all the facets of your being. And impressed with what God has done that will result in reverence and a holy fear for the Lord. And such fear is not the terror of the unbeliever who comes under the wrath of God, having denied and defied the living God. But it is awe and reverence for the work of the Lord. The mercy of the Lord is for those who fear him, for those who have a deep sorrow for their own sin, and who at the same time stand in awe. And revere God's mercy. In the opening lines of Psalm 103. David invites you and me to praise. And bless the name of the Lord. With our lips and with our lives. We are to do so. In a very personal and private way. Yes this is a very personal confession. I am to praise God. With my whole being with all that I am. Blessing the Lord puts a song on my lips and it becomes a way of life. Sometimes we may feel rather inadequate in our ability to sing well. We can't carry a tune in a bushel basket. But we can make up for that. How? How? by a life of praise. Brothers and sisters, having a, have you experienced the forgiveness of your sins? Have you discovered for yourself how the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love? The only place you will know and experience this is at the cross of Jesus Christ, The blood of the Lord was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. The Lord could not show himself more merciful to you than that. His compassion could not be more graphic. Well, at the love and the mercy the Lord has shown by sending his Son gladden your hearts. So when someone asks you, how are you doing? You can let it be evident that you've been doing a whole lot of healthy self-talk. You're not a grumpy pants because you have been given 10,000 reasons to sing. Indeed, brothers and sisters, be impressed with all that God has done and is doing. And sing like never before. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. Worship his holy name. Amen.